on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. Visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. Sports, back from vacation, back from the beach, back to invade your senses on this MMA pod with another lethal dose of that performance-enhancing audio. Wow, brother, so much to talk about, so little time. UFC Tampa in the rear view. We got Singapore ahead, lots of news and notes around the various cages. Yes, let me bring in my team right here. We're talking about a UFC Hall of Famer. We're talking about a suddenly possibly active fighter. The man who's always sweet and never sour. He's sugar. Rashad Evans. Bro, how is it? What is going on, BC? We missed you last week, but we held it down. We held it down. You held it down well. You and (laughs) Sir Brando, as I was. uh, I know you're wondering what part of Jamaica I was vacationing in. Right near the beach. Boy. Indeed, indeed. A lot of people talking to Samson out there. You can't, you can't argue with that. Uh, Brandon Wise, CBS Sports writer, editor, college football aficionado, former All-State left tackle at North Boca High. Bro, speak. What is up, BC? I'm, I'm kind of sad that you're back now that you get to run the show again. I had a nice two-show stretch there of taking, taking the reins, and now you're going to play a lot more sound drops that I don't have access to. That is true. <laughs> That is very, very true. Uh, vacation, fantastic, guys. All right, a lot of red stripe, a lot of the, lot of the, a lot of the water slides, the beach, the family time, all good. That's all I got to say about that. But while I was gone, you want to talk about five, six days in combat sports? That was like, whoa. I mean, my boy Triple G might be washed. We had pro wrestling up the kazoo. Kane Velasquez is is in WWE, guys. What the heck happened last week? Well, a lot, a lot happened. A lot of excitement happened. I felt like they felt that you were going to be away, so they wanted to bring all the news so you couldn't cover it. <laughs> and Rashad's boy popped for something with you. Oh yeah, Rashad. Um, couldn't fight Alexander. Well, Busey. see now that right there, <laughs> that right there was 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 bull malarkey because he took the next test and it came back negative. So I don't know what what is going on with that whole situation. He's still trying to figure it out, and they're still trying to figure out what exactly happened, but. As the test confirms, he didn't have anything in the system. No more dick pills, right? Um, wow, he had a lot of explaining to do, as did you coming in. Uh, I'm almost less enthused or interested, Rashad, in the results of this drug test and him losing the Alexander Usyk heavyweight boxing day as I am the other headline. He's got some cougar issues and I don't, and I don't mean aging, divorced, white female issues. What the hell's going on here with this headline I saw with Spong? Yeah, uh, they, they say that he had a, a cougar on his property. He has, well, well, he has, he has a panther. So they say he had a panther, but, um, you know, 
Tyrone has a lot of animals at his house. And, you know, he has a lot of chickens. And with a lot of chickens, they bring a lot of predators. So they said that they seen, they seen that they, they said that they seen, uh, the cougar or panther on his property and he had it. But before that all happened, he was getting his chickens. They were like his, he was missing like 20 chickens. So he didn't know what was happening to his chickens. So I don't know. They still trying to figure it out. I mean, we, we listen. We live in West, we live right next to the Everglades, yeah. so it's, it's very possible that it could have come out from, from over there. Wow. Wow. A lot of going on. Have you ever had cougar issues in your personal life? For sure? <laughs> not, not the kind we can. Right. Indeed. Uh, hey guys, uh, speak serious for a second. Hiring can be a slow process, right? It took us a long time to find a co-host like Sugar Rashad Evans to take this podcast to the next level. Let me give you an example. Cafe, Cafe Altura's COO, Dylan Miskowitz, needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. Yes, stay with me here. But he was having trouble finding qualified candidates. So he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you can get qualified candidates fast. What Dylan did, he posted his job on ZipRecruiter just like we did when we looked for a UFC Hall of Famer and he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employees, excuse me, employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. So here's what I need you to do and understand. I want you to see why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes, including yours. So why don't you try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash corner. Yes, Specific to this show, SOC listeners, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash C-O-R-N-E-R because ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Gentlemen, with that business behind us, what going on in the world, the business of MMA? But I don't want to go any further before I get that update that I'm looking for, that I'm itching for about 40-year-old resurgent Rashad Evans. Bro, are you in that cage? Are you fielding them calls from the matchmakers, the promoters, the suitors, the cougars? Who <laughs> wants a piece of the sugar? Oh man, right now I'm just building I'm building a house, you know, and by that I mean I'm just building my body up and just making sure I have the right mentality to uh, return to the cage. But so far training is going well. You know, I'm in the gym right now and I'm pressing pressing and pushing the action with the uh, the guys that that are you know, still landing out there on the front line. And, um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, the training I've been doing at, um, H kickboxing, you know, it's been, it's been just working on a lot of the areas that I felt that, um, I needed to improve on. If I'm going to make this return, I wanted to get better at. So, uh, right now is just doing some preliminary stuff. Uh, we'll see where that leads to. I'm still, um, looking to speak to, uh, you know, a few other organizations and see how that goes. But, you know, like I said before, BC, it's like this, you know, I'm, I'm at a place where my body is just feeling absolutely amazing. I feel like I, 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 um, you know, am 10 years younger, you know, it just because of the way my diet has changed and the way my body feels. So 
uh, I'm, I'm looking to take my time to see, see what happens. And, and if nothing happens, if, if I don't get any good offers, then I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to put myself in a, in a situation where I do more damage to my body and I cut my nose out to spite my face just because I feel good, you know? Absolutely. Uh, Brandon, if, if you being a, a friend, a colleague, a super fan of the great Rashad Evans, if you were managing his career, if you could just dial in your dream opponent, where does Rashad go next? <laughs> oh, man. I think there's somebody who just announced he's going to have one last fight this year in Bellator. And I think that's what you're going for here. Who's that? Who's that, Brandon? King Mo. Oh, King Mo. Oh, how dare you? No, we don't need no uh, SOC on SOC crimes right here, all right? Come on. King Mo's our boy. <laughs> I know, I know. But you know what, though? I, I think that Bellator would be a good fit. Um, I like 1FC. I like 1FC. 1FC is uh, – one, one thing I like about 1FC is that, you know, it's the Asian market. And besides that, it, it brings a whole new, uh, you know, whole new competing market of, of athletes that, I, that I've never even heard of before. So I think that will be exciting. I think that will give me something to, uh, you know, something to, to reinvent myself with because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, you know, getting in there with an opponent that you haven't faced or doesn't know, don't know anything about and just seeing what happens. Can I just say, don't go the risen route like King Mo did, <laughs> where there's no drug testing and there's nothing involved at all, where people are just fighting on steroids out the uh, wazoo. No, that, that, yeah, yeah, that's that, yeah. <laughs> where he fought Mirko Krokop for no apparent reason when he was like 190 for pounds. Cash, for cash, bro. For cash and 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 shits and giggles. All right. So shout out to our boy King Mo. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of the the, the checks are cashing in one these days. We're gonna hit that up uh, this this week's show as they had they were coming off a big event. But hey, guys, in the end of the day. Let's let Rashad put it on somebody. Somebody's going to put it on him. We're here for this. I want you to put it on me. I want you to try to do your <laughs> best to put it on me because that's the only way I want it. If you don't give me everything you got, I'm going to be pissed off. I'm talking about That's what she said. Well, all right, Tito, enough of that. But By the way, you see this clown, Tito. I'm saying this. I'm calling Tito Ortiz a clown. Do you see that interview hyping his upcoming Combate Americas fight with uh, uh, wrestler Alberto Del Rio, Alberto El Patron, whatever they're calling him, where he's basically like, look, I'm American. Alberto's Mexican. This fight is about more than sports. It's about, and he went on this like political. What is oh, happening God. right now? I, I, you know what? I don't even know what that whole thing is. You know, honestly speaking, look, hats off to the guy, you know, to uh, want to continue doing what he's doing. But at the end of the day, like, I don't know how to take that fight serious because even looking at the guy, he doesn't even look like he's a fighter. You know, he looks like he, he just. He looked like he's 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 act he's an actor, you know. It looks like it's going to be some work, honestly speaking. Don't forget Alberto Del Rio, uh, Dos Caras Jr. was once sent to hell via head kick in Pride by the aforementioned Crow Cop while wearing a Mexican wrestling luchador mask. So this guy's got a little bit of history in the MMA cage ring. Not good history. Though. How many fights has he had in MMA? He's had about five or six. He he really hasn't had a great. Uh, run, but there was always that sort of threat that him joining Combate in that ambassador role would lead to him eventually taking a fight. And uh, hey, good for them. I mean, look, it's, it's a crowded MMA circle right now. A lot of, a lot of you know, PFL just had the, the, the playoff rounds going. A lot of people trying to get attention. I guess that is one way you can get attention. We're trying to get attention to this podcast. Yeah, Brent, what do you got, Brandon? Sorry, he's actually nine and five in MMA fights, but his last fight was in 2010. Ooh, 95, 2010. Wow. Yeah. Has he ever beaten anybody with a pulse? <laughs> um, he beat one person who has an actual Wikipedia page. His name is Brad Kohler. 
All right. Shout out to that. Um, look, we want you to love this podcast and what's going on. So please continue to, to let your voice be heard. Five star review, Apple podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download and listen to fine podcasts and audio. We want you a part of this. And we also want you to check out the other good podcasts going on these days at CBS sports. In fact, Brandon, I know you're into this show. You want a fresh perspective on what's really happening in sports? Well, we at CBS have a brand new daily pod to recommend. Nothing personal with David Sampson. You know David Sampson, right? The former Marlins president, the former Survivor contestant on CBS, I might add, decoding what's going on behind the scenes when owners make a statement, when a coach tells a lie, when a star gets traded, and much, much more. David's a guy that won a World Series, mind you. He also once lost 100 games and has done everything in between. He'll break through the noise Monday through Friday. It's a podcast available for your drive-home commute. Download and subscribe to Nothing Personal with David Sampson today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find audio. Brandon, when it comes time for you to listen to sound outside of MMA, I know first in your mind is, I want to talk to Sampson. That's close to true, but not true. (laughs) All right. Hey, Hey, why don't we talk MMA here, guys? Let's do it. Let's get into it. Let's break this crap down. And it was a somewhat loaded weekend when you consider what was going on from PFL to one to the UFC. But we begin and end with the headlines that came out of UFC Tampa, your backyard, wise man. And good Lord, my girl. Boogie woman is coming tomorrow. And she doesn't know what's coming. Somebody was coming, Brandon. And, and really, to be honest with you, what a fantastic performance. JJ is back getting the three-round decision over a very game and personal friend of Rashad Evans, Michelle Waterson. Rashad, I want to go right at you right away. Does this victory, fighting through a hurt foot for Joanna Young-Jacek, barely, I might add, making weight, but she got there, the fight was on, tell you that she's ready for the title again? Absolutely. You know, I think that the biggest challenge for her was the weight gain, I mean, the, the, the weight cut, and being able to make it to the scale, and then fight on Saturday the way she did. You know, I figured all week you heard rumblings about her not being able to make weight, and even Michelle Watterson even thought that she might not be able to make weight. So, you know, that all play, played a part in, um, you know, in what happened Saturday. But on, on Saturday night when she stepped up and she stepped into the, oct- the octagon, you know, she was refreshed, she was recharged, and that jab, those punching combinations, her viciousness – it was on point. She was super smart. She was very strong. She showed great improvements on the cage and just great octagon awareness, you know, not not getting caught in anyone's, you know, not getting caught in Michelle's trick bag and just fighting a very smart fight. But at the same time, a very aggressive fight. She looks to be right back on stride. And if you remember what took her out of the 115 weight class was, you know, of, of course, it was Rose Namajunas, but that was that that I, th- I think a big part of her her weight cutting also played a part mm-hmm. in her not being able to compete the way that she wanted to, not taking anything away from uh, Rose Namajunas. But when you're cutting that kind of weight and you're getting hit in the head, it it, it makes it really hard to take a punch. But now it looks like she's kind of got her weight under control and her body's back, and she looked absolutely phenomenal on Saturday. And what's crazy is like, look, she's 32 years old. She talked for years in the past about like, look, this 115 cut is so hard. One day I want to be a mother. One day, like I, you know, she when she was at the top of her game with the five consecutive title defenses and really entering superstardom, she seemed to be back then talking more about ending her career than continuing it. And now you look at where she is now, and I felt that that weight situation this past week, which became big headlines, was like this 
this sort of seesaw moment for her. If she didn't yeah. make weight there and they patched together whatever fight they could, I really felt like her future as a potential title contender was over. I felt like she would have slipped into celebrity fighter mode, maybe took a couple more creative fights to end the career, and that may have been it. And she really needed to bite down with the pressure that was rightfully put upon her to make that weight. And not only did she do that, not only did she go in there, yes, size advantage over Watterson, but Michelle Watterson came to fight. She came to make a run at a title herself. That was a as tough an effort as you could have had against you. I mean, I really felt like you want to bit down and saved this portion of her career, saved the I can still contend for a title and maybe put that, you know, that capstone one more time on the end of my career. It felt like it was teetering for me in that moment. And Brandon, I think some of that fuel came from, I read that interview she gave Mark Ramundi of ESPN, where she was really, really, really honest about some of the things that Rashad just mentioned, how that weight cut ahead of the first Rose fight really was the hardest thing she ever went through. And it was more about having people in her camp that in hindsight, now she realized she shouldn't have trusted even her fiance at that time and all these people and all these things that were slowing her down. I think her head got big for a while when she was on top. And I feel like now she may be end up being better for having gone through this fire. Tell me she didn't look like she's ready for some Weili Zhang there, Brandon. I think she is. Uh, I agree with what you're saying about she needed to make some camp changes. But I also think that this is just the case of like she was able to take advantage of a smaller fighter again. Like she every time that she's been really successful in, in action is when she's the bigger the bigger fighter in the cage. And she's able to use her distance and her her jab to to set up her kicks and her combos because she's just so much longer than everybody in the weight class. It showed when she fought Valentina Shevchenko at 125, like there was no advantage for her and she wasn't able to put pressure on Valentina. It showed against Rose when Rose had length to compete with her. If she's in there against a Jessica Andrade again or a Tatiana Suarez or a Weili Zong, she probably does beat them because she's bigger. And she's going to be able to use that to her advantage. And she's so smart when she uses that stuff to her advantage. You know, uh, going back to the size thing, you know, I think that she was definitely a bigger fighter in the cage, obviously. But I think that the way that she used her size was, was very impressive. You know, she didn't allow Michelle to um, get any kind of wrestling, you know, foothold at all. And I, and I think the biggest mistake in Michelle's game was going to the well too many times on a wrestling game that really wasn't working. And actually, she really didn't have, um, you know, she doesn't have a basis for a strong wrestling game. So to try to implement a wrestling game against someone who's very efficient at wrestling uh, defense, I don't think it was a good tactic. I think that Michelle um, should have used her movement from the outside more and and should have should have went on the side of trying to draw out Joanna on the frustration level, hitting her and not being there when she tries to return. And then that way she wouldn't have been able to find opportunistic takedowns from a Joanna that's over pursuing. I think that when she went on on an offensive wrestling, uh, wrestling, um, I guess, mindset for the fight, I think that she she stifled her own uh, attributes on what she can do. Michelle's very good with her kick. She's very good from the outside. She can even punch from the outside. But I think her takedowns should have been sprinkled in that natural movement not being the 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 main thing she's trying to hit because she just didn't have the strength to take down Joanna. You got to give Watterson credit for going for it though. Sorry, Brandon, when she had it looked like in that moment that backpack choke attempt oh in, in round gosh. three. That she, was the, in round that, five she didn't have it in. In round three, but see, that, but see that was that right there was it because that was a transitional 
takedown. That was something in transition. It was something that that happened. She she went in for the shot. She got uh, you know got denied, and then she was able to 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 bring her back down and then scramble to the back. I think that's where Michelle would have been better off at fighting for the scrambling positions, not initiating the takedown. Now, Rashad, you know a thing or two about swagger and about mojo when it comes to a fighter. When you have that just impenetrable confidence and then you have been honest with us in the past you've had times in your career when your personal life things are crazy when you don't have that same thing i didn't see and look here's let me let me put this foundation out Joanna may never be able to beat rose like it just may be the type of striker that she you know bad weight cut or not and i certainly know she'll probably never be able to beat shevchenko and certainly not at 125 right shevchenko has owned her in various disciplines throughout her career but the last three fights Joanna did not have that swagger that she once did as champion. And she, you remember ahead of both or ahead of the first Rose fight, she was so shamelessly yeah. trying to trap Nama Yunus in a mental game and yeah. intimidate her and bully her, which was so reminiscent of the errors Rousey made ahead of the Holly Holm fight, where it's like, I'm the superstar. My life's crazy at the moment, but if I can just intimidate this fighter, I'll put this win behind me and I'll do it. That whole, like, desperate side of the personality seemed gone i mean rashad maybe we can maybe i'm harping too much on this but during the ring introduction during the during the cage introduction from joe martinez i saw that swagger look in rose's eyes that i'm like the boogie woman is back and i think that matters yeah i, I see i seen it in joanna's eyes too i think she definitely had it you know um but then she had something else too you know and i think that she had you know what i seen in her i, I seen that that intensity that she had, but I also seen a sense of compassion for her that and for her opponents that I didn't previously see before. You know, she she was almost she 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 was almost like uh before, you know, not a bad sport, but she was she was rough to compete against. You know what I'm saying? And she let the person know that the whole time they were in for for, for hell with her, you know, and th- and that's how her mindset was for competing. But even though she had that same intensity with Michelle I still seen that she still had a, a, a posture of respect and, and care for, you know what I'm saying? And, and just, you know, and that's something that she didn't normally have before. It would seem as if like she would, if she sensed the weakness on her opponent, then she would just, you know, do anything she can to exploit that by any means, you know. But I felt like now she has a little bit more compassion. I think that compassion is of what she went through, even after the fight was over, what she, you know, she called Michelle back in there and she said, you know, there, there is no losers. We come out here and we compete. And, and, and that right there kind of gave me a, a peek into her mindset to let me know where she was competing from that, that mindset of, of, Hey, you know what? I'm out here to compete and I'm here to just execute my technique. And that, that, that goes back to what I was saying a few weeks ago about when you're there to execute technique, then it makes competing a lot easier because you're not focused on the job at hand. I like that. I like that. Um, I I want to give Waterson credit in her post-fight interview for being so honest about what she felt she didn't do. And then you saw after with some media members captured on video that embrace between Waterson and Holly Holm outside of the cage and Waterson breaking down. Rashad, at 33 for Michelle, it felt like this was – maybe the last run to put it together in, in, you know, if they're never going to create an animal weight division, which is probably more her natural weight, a win here may have catapulted her into a title shot. So when you see her breaking down like that, and you're in that moment as a fighter where you're at the end of your absolute prime and you're, you're kind of on the doorstep of that second half, 
how do you deal with those emotions? I, I like watching from home. I can feel for that without even knowing what that feels like. Yeah, a, a piece of you breaks when that happens because you know there, there's so many hopes and so many you know so many thoughts that you have put forward to that to that moment and just being able to seize it when it when it comes and for it not to happen the way you envisioned it is a very hard thing to uh, to swallow. But being able to swallow it and being able to face it is is how you get over it and it's how you you reinvent yourself into and into uh, maybe you know do what you you didn't you didn't think that you can do and for Michelle you know she she is a smaller fighter and she did look a lot bigger than she did uh I, I guess physically strong she did lean up to this fight you know she had abs and and her body physically looked strong but I think there's something missing in Michelle's game that I think that can you know elevate her to to be on that level and I think it's with her boxing you know uh, she she um she doesn't use her hands as much as you know I would like her to to competing with these girls she uses a lot of her feet but her hands are so close to her body that when she enters into that space she's not she's not meeting the her opponents with her hands first she's almost meeting them she's almost letting her opponents get too close to her face because her hands are too close to her face Michelle needs to get her hands out a little bit more and use her hands a little bit more in conjunction with her kicks because I think that will make her kicks a little bit more effective. But I think once Michelle taps into her boxing, her husband is a great boxer. I think if she taps into the boxer, I think she will be able to grow that next level that she was not able to do on Saturday. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Brandon, I'm going to have to put you in the hot seat right now. We'll call you Sean Shelby for sake of argument here. You are the UFC matchmaker. Your champion is, by the way, I've told that I've been butchering, and it's no surprise if you know me, the name of the UFC women's strawweight champion, who's, who's per- correctly, it's... Weili Zhang? Young, Young, Zhang is supposed to be Young, I've heard. So, Zhang, Zhang, Wei, Zhang Weili, Yao Ming, <laughs> Ying Mao, Suzuki Ichiro, I don't know, guys. I'm not woke, okay? I'm not cultured. But for the basis of me spitting this out correctly, your champion is Weili Zhang. Tatiana Suarez is coming off of injury and thinks she deserves a title shot. Yet you have this opportunity to take a, a star. I won't say superstar because you want to never really hit what they thought she could commercially. But a star in Boogie Woman. Do you fast track her to the belt with the idea if we're money making company executives and we think, what if JJ beats Wei Li? What if Rose gets up in the bullpen? What if we got a Rose Young J Check trilogy? What do you do, bro? Oh man. Um I would say for Joanna's next fight, I would run back the Jessica Andrade fight. Just to see where she's at. Because No? No. Really? You don't You're risk that. Say- you don't risk that, bro. Then what do you do with what do you, I, what do you do with Jessica then? Because Jessica needs a fight. She you can't just have her Jessica's not be active. Jessica's coming off a loss though, so you're not going to match her with JJ, who's rising, right? Well, I mean JJ is rising, but let's let's be honest here. You know, Wei Li Zhang, that's that's the money maker in a weight class right now because of with 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 the whole deal with China. So True. I think you need to have her defend the belt with a fight other than Joanna right now to build up some hype around this champion. To, to let people know that 
she's somebody we need to watch because at the end of the day, if we just throw Joanna in there right now and and Joanna beats her like she probably can, then it was all for nothing. You know what I'm saying? Then then we didn't then we didn't get to we didn't get to feel the anticipation of the true comeback of Joanna because she hasn't defeated anyone that we consider higher on that level. So I think that we need to build uh, Wei Li Zhang into this monster and then see what Joanna does. Give Joanna at least a couple more fights to get used and acclimated to the weight class because at the end of the day, not only is she just getting back to the weight class, uh, she needs to see if she can figure out the weight to the weight class and, and trying to make a weight cut for a title fight may not be in the cards for her right now. So that's not wrong thinking. But I could almost give you devil's advocate and say, if we're not even sure long-term Joanna can consistently make this weight, then maybe we put her right into a title fight now. Maybe we fight, you know, because we're either recharging her if she wins, or we're using her name to put over Wei Zong, which is also a plus for the company. So it's going to be interesting. And, and I don't discount Tatiana Suarez is standing right there waiting. What if Rose wakes up tomorrow and says, I'm back? I love me some straw weights. I love 115. I don't know who's coming out of this. I mean, Brandon, I don't even know if JJ can beat Zong Wei Li. That's the other thing is like nobody even really knows who she is right now. She's the champion and her fight was in China. Like stateside, she doesn't have the name value yet. Right. So you're going to you would rather rush Joanna into a title fight with her just to see if she can get the shine off of that instead of trying to build her up into like a true champion. And here's the thing about it. Joanna, even if she does beat Wei Li and the whole weight issue, well, she becomes champion and now she has a weight issue. And now we have a champion who not, might not be able to make weight on a consistent level. Well, I think we have to I think she has to figure out UFC has to figure out. Is it a weight issue? Had the times that she was cutting so close, Ben, because she's kind of a woman without a weight class. Like, you know, she's not she's not the powerful 125. She seems to be a little bit too big for 115. Or is it that she hadn't been doing it the quote unquote best way possible? I think I think, well, she probably wasn't doing it the best way uh, possible. And I say that because of this. She she got some implants put in, so that put in a few CCs. Hey, so that's we we were all fight. thinking it, Rashad. You had the guts to say it about Bubba <laughs> Woman, so you said it. All right, bro, I'm I'm with you. I, I, I'm being honest. I'm being honest. That's you know she's a fighter. You got to talk about what's what. She put in a few CCs, so obviously she figured out something with the uh, the weight cut that that allowed her to make weight better. So maybe she has figured out something, but it's still cutting it close. It's still cutting it close. Hey, I smell what Rashad is cooking. It is a beautiful <laughs> aroma that arouses me. What do you got, Brandon? I was just going to say, like, the other thing is, like, on top of her issues with the weight cut is that she's just been, like, blatantly lying to people for the last two weeks about everything. Like, she said that she didn't have an issue with the weight cut. She was like, oh, the weight, I didn't know weigh-ins were on Wednesday this week when the, when the news started coming out that she was going to, she was having issues making 115 she or 116. Snarky, yeah. And then after the fight, her foot is ballooning into a football or a balloon. soccer ball. My foot is a balloon. <laughs> but then she's – and then – and who was it? Was it Bisbing that asked her, hey, so what's going on with your foot? And she's like, there's nothing wrong with my foot. What are you talking about? And everybody's like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> so I don't even know where she's at mentally with all of this stuff. Is she just on that plane like you were saying before where she's just back in that – superstar swagger mode where she's trying to let nothing affect her anymore i I mean she's got a little bit more humility like rashad said she tried to explain the whole weight thing afterwards saying that the media took it out of proportion that she mentioned to ufc that she may be 
close to not making it. And then once she actually tried to cut, it was easy. So I don't know if she got to a point where she's, where she was suddenly like lazy or thinking, you know, I'm a superstar. If I tell them I don't think I can make it, maybe they'll get Michelle to agree to a catch weight and maybe but, it won't be an issue. He, I don't know. But here's the thing though. Even, even just with even starting that rumor, she might not wait, make weight. That is such a good tool for our mental warfare because what happens is, as your opponent, Michelle Watterson, all week had to fight with the fact that maybe I got to fight, maybe I don't got to fight. So it's really hard to, to, to put your mind on Saturday if you don't know if there's going to be a Saturday. You know what I'm saying? So just that, that, that uncertainty that she may have put Michelle on, it may have worked in her favor. Crazy, crazy. Excited to see where this goes because I could talk myself into JJ if she ends up getting the title shot by saying, look, she's a five round fighter. She's got the stamina. Zhang Wei Li never been past three rounds. I could also talk myself into Zhang Wei Li taking her down and, and doing some nasty ground upon. So I could also talk myself into Tatiana Suarez breaking up this conversation with a, with a swift back kick. So I love it. I love where it's going. I love the show. I love you guys. I love words. <laughs> from our friends and sponsors right now. Dig it. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. And we're back, BC, B-dubs, and the Hall of Famer Sugar Rashad Evans. We hit you up with the UFC Tampa breakdown main event. JJ moves on, but there was a lot more to talk about on this card. Rashad, this was a co-main event at Featherweight. Veteran Cub Swanson against Rising Enigma and BJJ specialist Crone Gracie, yes, of the same family name. I think we all had a, a vision of what this fight would look like. It looked the exact opposite. But it was fun as balls for three rounds. Cub Swanson getting a 30-27 unanimous decision across the board. What can you say, though, about the strategy employed by Crone Gracie and the decision to test his chin for 15 full minutes? Uh, I, I w it wasn't smart, but, but here's the reality. You know, you got to earn your stripes some way. And sometimes it, it takes... Just getting your face beat in for three rounds to let you know that you're, you're a UFC fighter and you can hand it in with the best. And listen, the, the biggest problem for Kron is the fact that, you know, he doesn't have any offensive wrestling, you know, and he, he's not going to be a great, uh, a great shot. You know, he's not going to be a, take a great shot, but there's many other takedowns that he could do, you know, that, that can actually help, you know, anything with an arm drag, anything to kind of gum up the position to kind of bring it into the scrambling so then that he can find his favorite grappling positions, you know. Uh, that's what I would like to see him. If I was to work with Kron, I would work with him on just 
working on those simple, easy takedowns that he could just take advantage of um, and not have to work so hard to get, you know. Uh, but on the flip side of that, you know, Cub Swanson, you got to see a guy whose back is against the wall. You got to see a guy who, you know, got to answer a lot of questions that, that he even had about himself. And you've seen him going out there and and starting to remember the Cub Swanson that he was before his losses started to happen. And you see each and every minute as the, the rounds went by, him getting a little bit more loose, him getting more relaxed, him getting more precise, him getting more into that game, him getting more into that Cobb Swanson that was in the conversation for the title yes. talks. You know, that that's the Cobb, Cobb Swanson that we've seen, and it was good to see him tap back into that because watching him and seeing the bald head Cobb Swanson and seeing him kind of getting his old mindset that he was, it gave me chills. It gave me chills because I, I got to see – that you know what this guy he he did fall on some hard times he you know he had grew a grew a family out of nowhere and 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 had his ups and downs in a cage but it's a guy who I see come out on the other end and I and I like the Cub Swanson that I'm seeing I like that you I brought that up because everyone's talking about Crone somewhat rightfully so but it's like Cub Swanson's 35 he entered this fight on a four fight losing streak huh. had he lost this you know. I mean, that could have been it. You never know. But it's like, don't forget, this guy's fought everybody. This guy knocked out Charles Oliveira. He beat Dustin Poirier. He beat Jeremy Stevens. He took down Duhu Choi when that guy, Korean Superboy, was the next big thing. This was another big win in that regard. It's just that it's hard to stay off that narrative of, like, either what the hell was Crow and Gracie doing or almost like, damn, that's not the right call, but that guy showed some balls. And that guy, like, I actually... People were clowning me on social media for saying this, but I actually was impressed by Crone Gracie striking because he's not known for it. It's his obvious weakness. And he just went in there and was like, I'm not Crone Gracie tonight. I'm Nate Diaz, and I'm yeah. going to find a way to win this fight no matter what. Brandon, he didn't find it, but he may have found himself in the process. I don't think this is as bad as people think. Yeah, I I, I enjoyed the fight just because going in we talked about it being kind of a wrestling match and it ended up just being a brawl for 15 minutes and to me my biggest thing is like did he just fall in love with what the diaz's have been doing for the last few years <laughs> because of because of his camp work with them like he helped he helped nate before that fight with anthony pettis and i'm sure he helped him with sparring at some point and i wonder if it's just like he got away from what his game plan was because of that or they went in with that game plan thinking Cubs on a losing streak. Let's just bury him with striking and see if we can catch a knockout and get out of here. It, it was a I'm weird. Not surprised, mother- yeah. I mean, l- listen, first a couple of things here. Cub Swanson on a four fight losing streak. I've been on a four fight losing streak. It is the hardest thing to get off of because for one, you're not just competing against the guy that's in front of you anymore. Now you're competing against all the other four times that you lost. And, and you're competing against yourself and, and the person that you're competing against, you know, the doubt that comes, it, it's such a big overwhelming monster that it can, you know, that, that it can dwarf you when it gets time to compete. And it, it, like I said, it gets really hard. As far as Kron Gracie, uh, I think that, yeah, he took a beating on his feet, but these, what was important about this fight for him 
is because there's going to come a time where this whooping has paid off in big dividends because he's going to feel confident enough standing and striking with someone that he may not have before and may catch him with a punch to set up what he wants to and get the fight where he wants to. So this fight, it didn't go the way he wanted to, but these are the stripes that he needed if he's going to be competing at this level. I think that he does need to work on his offensive wrestling, but at the end of the day, because because when you have a ground game that's so dominating like Kron, it's a crime. It's a crime yes. not to be able to get the fight where you want to, when you want it to. He was trying to prove something. So, like, Brandon, kind of what you're saying, could you imagine, I could fully imagine Gracie and the Diaz brothers sitting around, maybe somebody's talking to Samson, and Nate's like, you know what, Crone? Cub's a little washy, potentially, right now. Why don't you go in there, just knock his ass out, and show everybody that you can fight, that you've been training with us forever, that you can... Like, couldn't you imagine that being a conversation? Because Gracie's different, dude. I mean, if you see his reactions to this fight, talking about how he got robbed, you know, kind of calling out his haters, like, he's like, dude, all the Gracies are. They're just mercurial dudes. They're, They're in, like, a different world in their head. I could totally see him more as an artist than a fighter going, you know what? I'm going to go out and do this. I'm just going to, who cares? I'm just going to F and do this. That, dude, that's, that's what happened. You know, that's what happened. Yeah, that's, that's what I think. Yeah, that's, that's definitely what, that's, <laughs> that's most likely what happened because like even just seeing Kron, Kron's a very hard person to read because he doesn't say much. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't say much at all and, and he doesn't show much expression or emotion at all. So, um, it, it, it's kind of weird or kind of uh, interesting to see like what like what is it that, that triggers him or, or when you see him in any kind of way that shows character, you're just like, oh, wow, that's surprising. I didn't expect to see that out of you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and and that's that's what I felt like when I was watching a fight. I'm just like, oh, look at this character. You know, he's showing that he has this heart. He has this mindset and he's fighting like it. You know, OK, this guy's got a little something to him. And can we pour one out for his internal organs? Rashad, I've seen toughness before. I've seen oh. balls. I'm not sure I've seen someone no-sell body punches to the level that Gracie was doing as Cub was just teeing the hell off. Um, Is he impervious? Did he implant steel plates in his ab muscles? <laughs> what the hell was going on there? I uh, that That was amazing to me because... Listen, there's a lot of shots that you can fake and posture and pose and act as if like it didn't hurt, but the body shot isn't one of them. <laughs> like you get caught in the body, it just changes the way your your whole pot. It just changes the way you you you're thinking. It changes the way you're moving. It changes the way you're breathing. It changes what you want to do. You know, so how he was taking that it, it is beyond me. It really is. But this this that's what I'm talking about with this guy with crime. You know. With, with the ability to take that kind of punishment, there's so many things that you can do with a guy like this. You know, he can take punishment and he can submit you when he gets to the ground. Okay, so th- that that means that we have a little less work to do on this one, you know? I, I can't. This fight showed me that he is, Chrome Gracie is must-see TV. I cannot wait to see what happens next. I have no, like, preordained confidence that he'll do great or bad. It's just like, I just need to see it now. He's just a different dude. So this was interesting. 
a, a, a kind of a weird moral victory in an obvious loss. And uh, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I don't know if he's just going to be a celebrity fighter with a name, if he's going to figure it out and be able to mix the pluses of his striking game to better set up taking this fight to the ground. You did mention his obvious holes and a lack of an offensive wrestling game. But imagine if he could establish that striking consistently and then what that would do to his ground game. I mean, Brandon, he'll tap your ass out. You personally. Okay. Thank you. You know who I need to see more of? Nico Price. Oh. Tell me about that. I mean, first of all, pour one out for James Vick's face after that fight. In but his future, yes. Oh, my God. Um, I don't think I've ever seen that executed that perfectly before, <laughs> where a guy who is just somehow pulled the, he pulled guard, right? And yeah. ends up on his back with James Vick about to start moving in for a mount and just up kicks. As hard and as clean onto a dude's, uh, I don't even remember where, it, on his jaw, I think, because based on the sound that I heard coming out of the TV. That was scary. Like, it was scary how that clean was, that was. That was a cluck like. <laughs> the one of those clean clucks, you just know that somebody is knocked out on the other end of that sound. And the crumple that James oh, Vick had on the goodness. ground was just, oh. It was, that, that's that, a, it was heartbreaking. The thing was heartbreaking. with Nico Price, man, Nico Price is one of those guys who, you know, when you're fighting him, he, he's he's got to be just so difficult because at any position, you never know where that wildness is going to come from. And he has power and this dude knows how to finish. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, all the fights that I've seen Nico Price in, there, it looks like he can go either way. You know, sometimes he's getting beat. Sometimes he's on his back. Sometimes he finds himself in weird positions. But at the end of the day, this guy just knows how to knows how to get it done. You know, Nico Price is turning out to be that dude. You know, he plays around when he's in there, but the guy gets it done. Uh, it's tough here because this is four knockout losses in a row for James Vick. Pretty much all four were devastating, and the and this was. I don't want to call it desperate, but look, he moved up in weight for this. It was a reinvention idea, but the problem was it came two and a half months after his last knockout loss. So he's at an interesting crossroads in his early 30s where it's like, dude, a year and a half ago, this guy was a sneaky lightweight title top five contender. He wasn't that close, but you're like, wow, he's showing you flashes. And even in fights in which he's knocked out, he had some success. But it's the same conversation I'm going to have now that we had after his last one. There's fundamental flaws in his head movement and his defense that aren't getting fixed. So it's like, Rashad, yeah. if you're mentoring him, could you do anything but say, hey, let's take off nine months or six months and figure out if you want to keep doing this? And if you do, we got to reprogram some stuff. Yeah, no, no doubt. About it. I think he definitely needs to uh, recalibrate the why he's doing this, even if that's even if that's even it, you know, that may not even be it. Um, but for the most part, I think you know, he needs to find a new fighting strategy that, that fits him and is a safer fighting strategy for him that, that allows him to use his size and allows him to use his attributes and skills where he's able to take a lot less punishment. Another thing that I would do, I would give him some time off, like a year off, not, no fights for a year and, and, or, or at least, or at least six months, at least six months or so and, and just, Get him doing some very technical sparring, you know, and, and like doing stuff that's not going to have the impact on a head, you know, and even getting him 
a therapist to do some neck work, to do some kind of recalibration with with all of those things that get messed up when you get knocked out. Because what happens is a lot of guys, when they get knocked out, they don't go and hit the reset process. By that, I mean go to a physical therapist who's able to reset them on a neurological level so then that way their body starts to react this, the, the way it's supposed to when they get caught with a shot. Because your body remembers. And when you get caught with a shot and too many devastating shots in a row, your body starts to shut down faster and faster every single time. And I think that's what we're seeing with James Vick. Tough, Brandon. Tough to see, man. Tough to see that for a guy. I like some James Vick, but uh, this is the wrong direction, bro. Okay? And see, uh, yeah. But this is the only thing I would say is that this shot and this knockout was just so random that it's almost like I don't know if I can take anything away from this fight for him because we didn't really get to see what the new development is for him at 170 with I know I know the two month two and a half months wasn't a lot of time between those two these fights but we didn't really get to see what his new game plan was or what his strategy could have been because he said after the fight that he changed up a lot of things in camp when he got back home before this fight and he gets caught with a, an upkick that you just don't see. Like, I don't even know how he would have prepared for that any differently, you know? You don't. You don't. I mean, honestly speaking, you know, it's it's, it's certain things in a sport that if you're just, if you're not paying attention, it can catch you. You yeah. know, like one is when I got caught with Anthony Smith, a little sneaky knee on the inside. If you're not paying attention, that's on the gun to knock you out. <laughs> yeah. You know, the upkick. Another one, if you're rushing in, only fools rushing in head first. <laughs> You get caught with it, that, that head kick, you know, you're going to be sleeping. But you rarely get to see a head kick that clean, that, that up kick that clean. and uh, Especially man. from on his back. Man. <laughs> so. Indeed, indeed. Uh, another, another tough fight to watch in some ways was Mackenzie Dern's comeback from giving birth. But just four plus months ago, really given no favors in terms of tough matchmaking, women's strawweight bout against Amanda Rebus. And if you hadn't been woke on what Rebus can do heading in, this was as thorough and dominant a unanimous decision victory over a name in Dern as you could imagine. And I, I look with Dern, I, I just you could see physically she just wasn't ready, wasn't fully back. The timing was off. But I'm not sure, guys, she ever would have beaten somebody who looks this good as Amanda Rebus at this moment. Nah, you're absolutely right. You know, when, when you look at the two of them, uh, Rebus just looks like a better fighter. You know, she's. Her punches look better. Her footwork look better. Her kicks look better. Uh, in all the exchanges, just her posture looked better at all. You know, um, she has a, a much bigger upside and she definitely showed that on Saturday night. But more, more importantly on, on with, um, Dern, with Dern, you know, I think Dern, you know, she, uh, you know, she, she rushed herself back a little bit and, and, and you can see that because, you know, her, her, her fighting game, it seemed a little bit rushed and it seemed a little bit, you know, um, not, not what it could be. You know what I'm saying? As far as, you know, her, her footwork didn't look as, as good as it could have been, even trying to, you know, close the distance and even, uh, trying to exchange and throw punches. You know, sometimes she was falling over, over her punches and things like that. So it looked as if like she, she may have, may have, uh, wanted to be there a little bit faster than she really should have, to be honest. And and look, Brando, I know you love me. You love your you love you some Mackenzie Dern, but you, she believed in her power way too much. It wasn't like she went to right hand haymakers to get desperate. She opened that fight going, you know what? 
just going to bang. You know, we're just, you know. Let me bang with somebody. We're just going to throw bombs. Um, Would you suggest a move up to up to flyweight? Maybe, but I, she didn't look like she had any power on those punches. No. That's the thing is like what's going to be different at 125 when the power is going to be even even more even between the two opponents. I think I think uh, and here's what I see. I think that 125 could behoove her a little bit more because one I, I see that you know she she has some size that she she kind of wants to grow into a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Cuz it kind of fits her body type, but more importantly, I think the girls at 115 are just too fast for her. They're just a little too fast for her. And I think at 125, I think it will slow it down a little bit where she's able to be a little bit more effective because at 115, it seems like she's a little bit too slow. But it's also like the same topic that we just talked about with Cron Gracie is like she's a BJJ person. Like why didn't she use any of her wrestling or any of her, her takedown attempts to try and get a submission in this fight? It just it's, didn't make sense. It's, it's that – it's and, here's, and here it is. It's that range that the the, the – the, the range between four to five feet where you're standing in front of your opponent, how do you close that space efficiently? You know, a lot of a lot of wrestlers, they think that, you know, when when they want to do a takedown, they don't think to put their hands in front of their face as far as like setting it up or really or really going for the punch to get the person to exchange with them. Because that's that's all it is. If I want to wrestle somebody and get them to take down, I have to get them to think that I'm going to punch with them. And I have to really sell it. So I have to really be convincing in my punches so they forget that I can wrestle. And I think that when you look at Kron and you look at Dern, they're not doing that. When they do that, then their wrestling is going to be able to flow. Rashad, out of curiosity, did you ever have an opponent who you could not stop from taking you down? That could not stop from taking me down? Yes. Uh, no, but I, I would say... I would say um, one one opponent that took me down more it was uh Ryan Bader. Interesting. But, yeah, he took he took he took me down I think twice in our fight. Guess uh, what? I'm not Ryan Bader. My word. Guess what? Guess what? <laughs> Indeed. Um, interesting. Uh, do you got so Brandon? The idea of her going to flyweight is also mixed with the idea that look, she's a plus name. She there's there's a bright potential for Mackenzie Dern for a lot of reasons in the terms of becoming maybe a star if she can get on the road and it's such a a clearer path to doing that at flyweight than at strawweight. I mean, strawweight is all killers. And if you're talking about somebody who has had distinct trouble making weight in the past, like missing by like seven pounds, what the heck are we doing trying to cut to 115? Four months removed from the joy of living, of giving birth. Yeah, but it's also somewhere that she feels like she has an advantage. And uh -huh. she thinks that carrying the, the size that she does at 115 gives her some advantage. I get what you're saying about flyweight needing some some additional like bodies and, and name value, but I mean, the, given the performance we just saw from her, I I don't see that being a good move right now. Okay, that's that's Brandon Wise's take. I mean, nothing pisses me off more than guys not making weight. <laughs> All right, that's 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 that right there. Uh, anything else you want to hit on on this UFC Tampa card? I'll give you guys the floor if you want to get the police to arrest the referee, and maybe Coach Mark Montoya for allowing the fella, who was the fella's name? Thomas Gifford, to get three rounds of hell against Mike Davis, 157 significant strikes 
upstairs and a face first knockout in a fight that everybody from Michael Bisping on commentary to I don't know everyone on social media was like three minutes in going guys like this ain't this ain't competitive matchmaking here this this kid has a death wish this guy's gonna get hurt I mean I know they pulled that referee off the rest of the card for the night but philosophically who's to blame and what do we do here was this just a somebody too tough for their own good or was this a crime i mean you, you know some is fighting it and sometimes guy you know you train the fight the fighter trains to just fight so at that point you know the fighter is going to fight and if and if he's a, a good fighter he's going to fight until he can't fight anymore so at that point he needs the two safeties his coach and the referee if the referee is not on it. Then the coach has to be like, hey, my guy is taking way too much punishment. Then the coach has to stop it. Even if, even if the fighter's like, don't, don't do this. I'll be upset with you because at the end of the day, you know, the, the fighter, he, he's going to want to fight again. You know, you live the fight another day. And that, that's the most important thing. If you, if you're taking that whooping, it's just not worth it. Sometimes, you know, it, it's just not your day. And it doesn't necessarily mean the guy is that much better than you. It just means mean that it's just not your it's not your time. And uh, I think honestly, though, I think the the um, the coach should have been should have been a little bit more in there to be like, nah, I got to stop this fight. And like it wasn't a situation where Gifford was. A, I know Gifford had has a good submission game, and he tried it. It seemed like every time you're like, oh my god, this is a crime. He would do something small to show you he's still in the fight. But I think it's different when you have a slugger who's getting beat up, and you're like, okay, he's still one punch away from ending this fight. Or even somebody like a, a crazy damaged Darren Elkins, compared to like this guy who was just not in this fight. I mean, it was just a beatdown. It's tough because like MMA hasn't had these moments that boxing deals with all the time, which is you know, people dying right after fights. And then you're like, holy crap, how could we and should we have prevented that? And I just think that this is one of those where if it's the commission, if it's some, there's got to be an adult in the room. I mean, I, like, I'm not saying that like Trevor Whitman and uh, Michael Bisping on commentary should like jump up in the cage and be like, is somebody going to stop this fight? But like, there's got to be somebody on site who's like, my job is to make sure nobody dies tonight, right? Yeah, I mean... It's just so freaking tough with these guys because Gifford wasn't even like on the radar for UFC and they signed him to fight Roosevelt Roberts in Fort Lauderdale in April as like a showcase opportunity for Roberts and he lost the decision. He didn't look competitive. Roberts just didn't get a finish. That's the only reason that like it wasn't that spectacular. And when they announced that he was fighting on this card, I was just like, really? Like, what did he do to impress you, UFC? And then this is what happens. And it's just like, why? Like, there's so many good fighters out there that are trying to make a roster right now. And they gave an opportunity to this kid. And it's just so clear he's not ready. Like, there's no reason to fill a card with guys like this who just so clearly aren't ready when there's so many guys out there waiting to try and get their shot. Indeed. Indeed. All right. But your boy, Eric Andrews, got a split decision win. J.J. Aldrich was back. I popped for that. She trains with Rose. Uh, gay, good submission, by the way, for Devison Figueredo against Tim Elliott. That was UFC Tampa. Rashad, you had, you had, you ever, Rashad, you need to go back 
talk about avenging these losses. I think you need to go back to Tampa and beat some ass to get that out of your mind. As well, right? <laughs> go get Glover to share again. Yeah, oh, Glover. We got. I got. I got to exercise this. I got to exercise some demons. All right. I wanted to hit up your guys' thoughts because I mentioned it was a busy MMA weekend. I don't know how much you tuned into the PFL for the playoffs that they had. I watched some recap videos. I read some recaps. It was a kind of, look. I'm gonna be really honest. Just like pro wrestling these days, there's too much to watch. I almost stand in a spot that I'm like, all right, I watch UFC, I watch Bellator, I'm not going to mess with PFL or one unless they make me. PFL, I'll give them credit, they made me care. They made me at least have to try to see what's going on. I see Sarah Kaufman's out. Kayla Harrison, the rising star, is in the final against someone she beat earlier by decision. I saw some of the highlights. I saw that crazy Chris Curtis retirement. Oh, no, you're back in the tournament situation. Uh, are you guys jazzed about these PFL playoffs? Are they penetrating your your care level at all up to this point? That's a no. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I honestly, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it this this one, but I like the format. I like the format just because of the fact that you know I love tournaments. Uh, I started out my fighting career by only doing tournaments. So I like the tournament for, format and I like the tournament style. But I like a million dollars for the winner. I like I like that too. I like that too. So it's it's an exciting concept. I just I just haven't been able to uh to link with any like you know you know because it's all about the fighters, right? Yeah. I, lo- I love Kayla Harris. I think Kayla Harris is is very entertaining. But um, Kayla I'm, Harrison, I'm, come on, Rashad, don't Kayla don't, Harrison, don't disrespect I'm sorry, her. Kayla right? Harrison, Harrison. I'm uh I'm still trying to get that feeling for for some of the guys. You know what I'm saying? You know I, I I'm I'm a I love Vinny Magalish. Vinny Magalish is one, you know, <laughs> he's a good guy, but, uh, I just, I don't know. I'm just not pulling him out. Cooper the third had a good night with two. So, Brandon, why was the men's bracket needed to fight twice in one night, but the women didn't? I don't really understand it. Do you? Can I ask you? So they had the guys fight twice, right? Yes. Maybe it's because there's only, I think the, I think the women's bracket only has four fighters for the women's lightweight division and there's eight for the men. I was trying to follow it on Twitter. I watched the highlight videos. I saw that craziness where the dude retired and then the other guy got hurt. And they're like, sorry, you need to come back. But um, I, I guess I don't really care yet. Maybe ever. I don't know. Cyborg versus Kayla Harrison. I'll care. Can we do that? No, I guess we can't. Cyborg's in Bellator. What am I talking about? I don't care. Brandon, you care? Did Magomed Magomed Sharapov fight? He did. He did won he and then he got hurt. And the guy he beat had to come out of retirement. <laughs> After okay. losing, Chris Curtis. <laughs> oh God! But hey, yeah, that's all what it was. Um, it was also a big weekend for one out of Asia, one championships in Tokyo, I believe, despite the what, earthquake and typhoon that was going on there. Yeah. Put on their one hundredth show, which was two shows back to back, and the first one airing live on TNT in like regular prime time. I went back afterwards, picked around at it. I gotta give him credit. The fit, like these are exciting fights. These finishes they are, they, are fun as balls, and they, the crowd goes crazy. Oh, I like One FC. I like it. Um, one thing I like about One FC is seems like they they fight they fight like a brawling pace. You know, it's, they, they fight, fight like it's a Muay Thai brawl. fight. I know they have a Muay Thai section of their promotion, but even the MMA fights have this like frenetic energy to it. Frenetic. It, it, it's it's exciting, man. I, I watched the um. Angla and uh yeah, and Vera. Vera fight. 
And Ung, he trains at my gym. And listen, I love Ung, but Ung, Ung does not train like, like Ung, Ung trains hard, but Ung, you don't see that kind of intensity. You don't see that kind of, that, that ferociousness that you've seen when he fought Brandon Vera. Like when I seen him fight Brandon, I was like, is that the same Ung that goes to the gym? Cause he just looks like an animal, man. And, 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 and it's so impressive because, you know, Brandon Vera dropped down to, from heavyweight to, to, uh, compete at the light heavyweight belt. And, you know, Ung holds the middleweight belt and the light heavyweight belt. So, you know, effectively he beat Brandon Vera. So he owned three belts. I mean, I mean, not technically, but in a sense, he all, he, he has three belts by and, beating the heavyweight and champion. And Vera just looked huge compared to him. I thought that was the craziest part. Is like Vera's like looks like he's like six three, six yeah, four, and Ung is like six foot even maybe. Yeah. Like the the when they were standing there with the referee after the fight, I was just like, damn, he looked big. <laughs> But you know, it it was it was impressive because it was a lot of back and forth action in in, in that short fight. You know, you, you've seen uh, Brandon Vera land a lot of good body kicks, inside body kicks, and Ung just takes it. And uh, he took a lot of good shots in that fight, but he just kept coming forward. I think it's that pressure, that that H kickboxing pressure that he put on him that. That just, you know, made Brandon just, you know, crumble and not be able to take it. Well, he, he got cut across the face at right before he ends up with the TKO win and then hits that spinning back uh, elbow perfectly. Elbow. It was it was a weird, wild fight. Plus, you had a uh, Mighty Mouse on the first card against I don't remember his name, but he won the flyweight belt for one championship. The one thing I noticed about the whole card was like the ring looks so much bigger than the UFC ring does. Yeah, it does look I don't better. know if it's they do that on purpose, but the space that they have available to them is a lot more than they do in UFC. It it does it does look like that. It does. Uh give them credit. The, look, we we had said some things about one up to this point. We're like, look, if, if you're really going to get us to care, you got to have an event in the states which they're planning for later next year. They they they're going to go big. They they have New York I think they have Vegas offices. They got some a couple of US offices now. They're making that move. But look, you had to go live East Coast time in the US on a major channel and they did that. And they brought up their big guns and and DJ looked great and you know that Ung fight against uh Vera that you guys are all mentioning like that I mean that crowd was insane at the end of that fight. It was exciting as heck. So I wish them well. I want to see what happens. They got names. Let's see it. Let's see if they can be, if they can attract more free agents. Let's see. Hey, they got Vitor Belfort, right? Yeah. Imagine if they got Rashad Evans. I mean, come on. Like, I'm just, I'm just saying things. There's words that are <laughs> leaping out of me without me preparing them. I'm interested in MMA. Okay. Thank you. Uh, that's what I got for that this weekend. Brandon, I want to talk about the, the news. All right. I want to talk about what happened this week in MMA. Hit me up, bro. All right. I got hot takes. Light the fire. Are you right? You got hot takes. Always. All right. Always. <laughs> so while, you, while you were gone, and I think it was shortly after we wrapped up last week's show, Bellator announced what we had talked about being rumored as being official. Rampage versus Fedor in Japan on a New Year's Eve card with a Bellator Risen cross promotion. I would fit ass. What can I say? Um... I want to, like, I want to hate this, but I can't. Dude, this is, this is like, <laughs> yeah, this you is can't a, hate. 
fight. This is a great fight. I mean, you know when you go to the gas station, bro, and it's like, I'm not going to have a hot dog. I'm not going to have a hot dog. I'm not going to have a hot dog. I'm having two hot dogs and actually one of those weird French toast stick things with the eggs on the end. Like, this is my type of ish. Give me this, right? I don't care how fat they are. I don't care if we're drug testing or not. In fact, don't drug test. Everybody's on steroids. The whole UFC, everybody. I might be. I'm, I might inject while watching You're this. You're on steroids. Yeah, well, I would like to be, actually. I'd like, I'd like to actually grow, like, a real manly beard for once in my life. If I can inject one cycle into my cheekbone, I think I would do it just to actually get that. So, yeah, yeah, guys, I'm in on this, okay? It's, the, it's, it's actually perfect matchmaking. Rampage is fat and slow, and it's over for Rampage. So this is perfect, okay? I, I absolutely honest. agree. I think, I think these guys are in the perfect stage to fight each other. They're both big guys, and, you know, it, it's this is going to be an exciting fight. It's going to be an exciting fight because both of these guys, are going to go toe-to-toe, and you're going to see somebody get knocked out. They also said that this will be Fedor's retirement fight. Oh, my gosh. Even better. Wow. Even better. So Fedor's swinging for the fences. Oh, when dude, he gets- this is going to be a two-minute fight. Yes. this is Because <laughs> if it went four, somebody would have a uh, down to 5,000 moment. So let's let's just let, – why don't we just do one round, right? Can we can we go old school? Probably just one round and just – Ten minutes. Let's just yeah. Let's just do it. Black folks love me, man. Black girls love me too, man. All right, I don't. I don't need to go down that. Remember when he played? He was like getting handsy with Duffy, like Karen Duffy that time. That was a weird interview. Anyway, that was back before. That was back in a different day when you could do that, right? If you're a fighter, you could just get handsy with people, right? Oh my God. <laughs> All right, you want to talk about something else? Yeah, yeah. What else you got here? Oh, let's talk about this John Jones uh, Rumble Johnson Twitter wars. Is this is this getting you fired up, bro? I don't have those tweets in front of me, but yeah, that's uh, interesting to say the least. Uh, Rumble was part of that uh, Dominance MMA media yeah. day last week. Yeah. By the way, can we talk about the fact that Derek Brunson now looks like Cisco for some reason? He dyed uh, his hair blonde. I don't know why he did that. We've been teasing about it ever since he did it. First, I think he did he did it silver. What? <laughs> it was silver before. I didn't see the when it was silver. I just yeah, saw the giant silver. blonde. It was silver. It, why? talking about thongs at all? <laughs> <laughs> He uh, changes. Anyway, he says that he would fight Francis Ngannou under the right conditions, but then also said he would drop the 205 for a John Jones fight, which led John Jones to tweeting what, DC? Um, I don't have it in front of me, but essentially there was one tweet that was, uh, dude, if you want to call my name out, I have no problem choking you out. And then there was another one that basically implied that there's no chance he'd make 205. So I'm, I'm like, I'm in, I'm here, dude. I've always, we've all always been here for the idea of John Jones against Rumble Johnson. But like a lot of people, I don't want to see that at 205. I want to see Anthony Rumble Johnson come in with those sick, insane Bobby Lashley muscles and just go for it. Like, here is something you can't understand. I might just kill a man <laughs> because this guy will punch. Like, I don't even like he will punch your soul. He like the ghost will depart from the body. And it's not that I'm wishing that on John Jones, but this was a matchup we've always wanted. Yeah. We didn't get it because of that accident in Albuquerque. So, uh, yeah, love full on love. But I would also like rumble to get a like a warm-up fight first like give him a washed heavyweight you know like let's do it yeah i think i think this fight takes place but it has to take place at heavyweight rumble is too big to be cutting down to 205 and being able to fight there i think he probably could make it because um i seen him um like a week ago and he looked really really good you know he lost a lot of weight i think he looks about around like maybe 240 230 so i think he can make 205 but uh what kind of rumble would get to 205 may not be the rumble that we see right now. And and I think, you know, that 
That's the point. So I think him at heavyweight is the way to be. Where does he train, Rashad? He trains at H Kickboxing. He still trains there. He trains with us. All right. Would you would you spar him? Just 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 to you know. Just to, yeah, yeah. I'll spar. I'll spar AJ. I mean, you know, I mean, he, he, I spar him all the time. I, that, that's that's the thing. You know, AJ he hits he hits hard, but do you, you tell know. him to like just don't don't hurt don't hit me that hard? No, nah, we. I mean, we we. We work together. We're training partners, so he knows not to go, you know, not to try to knock my block off, you know. <laughs> Just like if I got him in a position, I know not to go crazy on him in a position I can get crazy on him at, you know. It's not open for debate. Uh-oh. The chin has to be tucked. Hey, speaking of Michael Bisping, uh, I don't know if you guys hit on it last week, but because uh, uh, I got halfway through your show before I ran out of time, but um, he's taking his eyeball out these days. Yeah, the eye. <laughs> <laughs> I, he said he's taking his eyeball out these days. Um, so was he all like that? Was always the case after the Belfort loss, then, right? No, he he just got that eye put in like within the last uh, year or so. Okay, ago. but the story was that it he a hundred percent could not see out of the yeah, it the was bad eye. Him. So he was fooling commissions forever, right? Yeah, he was fooling commissions to win the belt is how yeah. is what oh, that guy's a badass. And I've never been a Bisping guy, but that's 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 badass that's, one eye one eye i mean that's joe like we find out after the fact that joe frazier former boxing heavyweight champion essentially did not have the use of his left eye his entire career like that's yeah. insane see that that's that's when i talked to um that's when i talked to uh you know you know remember burt watson yes burt watson, burt watson used to uh manage joe frazier and i asked him about joe frazier's fighting style and he said that he would fight like that because he needed to feel the breath of his opponents on top of his head, so then he knew where to punch because he couldn't see him. That's just yeah, you got to just be a badass to like, be like yeah, I'm I'm not only gonna keep fighting, but I'm gonna win the heavyweight championship. And in Bisping's case, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna knock out Luke Rockhold, and I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah, I mean it's just it's crazy. And by the way, I still think Anderson Silva got robbed against Bisping, and I think the fight should have been stopped after that knee. Okay, there's certain beliefs that will not come out of me. Okay, <laughs> Weidman did not beat Silva. Andy lost twice. All right, <laughs> that's just how I get down. That's I love it. That that's that's how I do it here. I love it. I love it, man. All right, fine. Let's go ahead and talk about UFC Boston then, bro. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I, I wronged off the start of the show. I thought this Singapore was this weekend. It's Boston. It's Friday night. UFC Boston. That's it for news, right? You don't have anything else yeah, you're trying to slip in on me. All right. No. Nothing. Go ahead. Oh, can I tell you? I uh I I ran into Frankie Edgar this week. Good. Can I tell you that? I didn't know that it was a four consumption story, but okay. Yeah, it probably isn't. All right, Frankie Edgar's do it. <laughs> Frankie Edgar's do it good. Okay, okay. He wants McGregor. Let's leave it at that. Um, all right. Uh, this weekend, this Friday night, it is UFC Boston, UFC Fight Night. Is that a plus card? No, it's on ESPN. ESPN two. TD Garden in Boston. ESPN two. You will not be getting the fight we all came to see, which was Zabit. Magomed Sharapov against Calvin Cater. But you will be getting a very interesting 205-pound main event when Dom Reyes takes on Chris Weidman, moving up in weight. Wow, yes, let's do this thing. I'm back, baby! I'm back! Uh, Rashad Evans, is a title shot at stake for the winner of this? Because I could almost make that case for both guys. Where do you stand? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, listen, and a 205 weight class, you have Chris Weidman coming up from 185, the old champion at 185, and 
and and he struggled a bit, but now at 205, you know, he looks to get back on the right path and against a Dominic Reyes who has, you know, lit the 205 weight class on fire and, and is that guy to watch. You know, it's going to be interesting to see if you can see a Dominic Reyes get by a Chris Wyman because that would definitely prove that he's on the level to compete with the champion, John Jones. Listen, Dominic Reyes has a lot of attributes. He's got the size. He's got the, you know, the, 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 the technique and he's got the mindset, you know, but he's going against a Chris Wyman here who's a battle tested veteran. And Chris Wyman has, has been speaking during this camp talking about, you know, how he wants to match up with John Jones and how he would match up with John Jones. So, you know, that lets me know that this is a guy when he's training those extra rounds and getting those extra minutes in, he's envisioning himself as competing for the belt. It's interesting here because Weidman's got four out of five losses coming in, and, and I think all four are by knockout and some devastating and all in very elite fights because that's what Chris Weidman does. And Brandon, I got to bring you in here because you are the resident Chris Weidman superfan, and in the great war that is Rockhold Weidman, which is not over, by the way, that is a feud that is just beginning, especially if both end up washed soon. Um, like, is this real? Like, a Chris Weidman win here would get him a title shot because this division's so shallow? And and I and I just still don't get him needing that smoke of John Jones. I don't think you want that. So I'm just like kind of confused about where we are with John Jones right now because the rumors were that he was going to fight at, at 2:45 in December. Then that card got filled up pretty quickly with three other title fights, and now he's saying all these rumors about his next fight are coming soon. He's going to make these big announcements, and then he doesn't make any announcement, and he's just like teasing people on on Twitter. So it's just like I don't know where John is at this point. But to speak to the fact that this might be a title eliminator of sorts is even weirder, just given the names that are, are, are around right now. Like you've got Corey Anderson and Johnny Walker fighting at 244 in November, and both of those dudes are red hot. And you could make the argument that that would be a title eliminator with the winner getting a title fight. But I understand what you're saying for Dom's side here. Dom definitely deserves a title shot if he wins this fight. Chris, it's kind of like I want to see it more. You know, like we talked, you talked about it, Rashad, where you want to see guys and see how they adjust to the weight class in, in more than one fight. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel the same way here with Chris. It's like I'm a big Chris Weidman fan, but I also understand like you can't just parachute into a division and end up with a title shot. You know, well, the the way I see it is this right here: like when you're an old champion, I think that. If you come into a weight class, I think you only need to prove that you still have stock. You know what I'm saying? And I think that coming into this weight class, if he comes and beats a Dominic Reyes, who has stock in this weight class, who's been beating the who's who with the, the best guys in this weight class, then I think it makes a pretty good argument to say, okay, well, you know, this guy just stepped up into this weight class, but he maintained that same champion mindset and he beat a guy in Dominic Reyes who we were putting on the fast track, but now it looks like you know, Chris just stole that juice. I think that's, I think that's what you would, you would have to go with it. But besides that, you have to capitalize on the fact that, you know, Chris Wyman is not a spring chicken anymore. You know, he doesn't have that many more fights in, in him, you know, as far as his body's concerned and everything else like that. So you would want to put him in a position to get, to, to sell a fight with John Jones because 
like we were saying in previous shows, John Jones doesn't have that that dance partner yet. He doesn't have that blockbuster matchup where you can say, oh, there's a name and there's a name. That's going to be a good fight. He doesn't have that. He's very clash yet. I've doubted Chris Weidman before. I've doubted Chris Weidman a lot. And, and he was, you know, he is a great fighter or, or maybe was a great fighter. And that, that could end up being the truth. I have a lot of questions, though, about moving up to 205. Can he strike on this level? Is he going to be all wrestling? Can it, What happens if the wrestling isn't there? I just see a, a I don't want to say a long night because he's certainly an elite guy, former champion. Jokes aside, I have a lot of respect for Chris Weidman. He's tough as nails, too. But this is just a bad striking matchup at the very basic, at, you know, at the very bottom for me. Like, at, at just straight up, I think there's a bad matchup for him. I think this is a matchup in which he's destined to lose by decision and maybe not look all that great doing so. Um, Brandon, you have the floor to, to tell me to F off and really defend <laughs> Chris Weidman. I will just say that I, I would like to see what Dom looks like with a re- against a wrestler like this if Chris actually gets back to it. Because to me, that's been his biggest flaw in his in his losing streak is that he hasn't gone to the wrestling. Like that's how he got his name in this mm-hmm. game up until the, the Anderson Silva fights was yeah. by out wrestling everybody. And in the last few fights, I don't know if it's just that he's been baited into into brawls with people like especially the Yoel Romero fight where he just looked lost and got clipped. But wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I got to go ahead. He was he was he was catching rope. I thought in that fight, I thought his stand up was looking the best that it has ever looked until he got caught with that knee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the the stand up is fine, but he still wasn't even going for takedowns. Right, right. And that's what his base is all on. So, I want to see that Chris Weidman in this fight on set on Friday night against Dom because we haven't seen Dom challenged in that aspect of his game yet. Yeah. I think some of the best – one of the best things that Chris Weidman has added to this game, and it's been overshadowed by the fact that he's been losing and getting knocked out, but I think his stand-up has in, in gotten a lot better. And it sounds crazy to say when he's been getting sat down like that and, and, and losing by knockouts and stuff like that, but I think, I think that his stand-up has gotten better, but – he just needs to, like you said, Brandon, put his his wrestling around it and, and to and, and that will help his, his striking work a lot better because then he's not going to put himself to take too many exchanges. He's going to be able to minimize the exchanges by being able to uh, bring in his wrestling game, you know, yep. and I think, you know, he's he's been working with Wonder Boy and you can see the effects of of the Wonder Boy camp on Chris Wyman because he throws a little bit more kicks and he's more creative with his striking than he's ever been. But I think he needs to couple that with some wrestling. Indeed. And uh, and look, Weidman's had his back against the wall before in that Kelvin Gastelum fight and showed us a lot and showed us a lot of heart and coming back and winning that in front of his home crowd. This is going to be a tough one. Uh, Dom Reyes has to answer questions, of course, because that fight against um, your boy uh, Vulcan. It, it, it wasn't the promise that we had seen before. And I think he was lucky to take home the victory by decision that night. And you have to hope for Dom Reyes's part that that, you know, sort of humbled him and got him back to the drawing board to figure out. And this is a great platform. And I don't see how Dom Reyes doesn't get the title shot if he gets the win here. Yes, that division's really shallow. They don't seem ready to really catapult Johnny Walker yet to the next level. Needs at least one more big one. And don't forget, Dom Reyes is in the Toyo Tires commercial. <laughs> shoulders with Nganu and and Forrest Griffin. That means they got some ideas 
for this guy, okay? That means they got some plans, all right? So, hey, Mr. Weidman, get up in the bullpen. And everybody, thank you! And this is still my boy! He's still going to be your boy after an L, I think, on Saturday. But uh, what a great co-main event, guys. We're getting that fight we almost got but didn't. Yair Rodriguez, Jeremy Stevens, somebody's eyeball. No, somebody's uh, somebody's going to lose, somebody's going to win. But Jeremy Stevens says it doesn't count unless Yair dies on Saturday. Uh, Rashad, does that up the ante for you in this featherweight duel? <laughs> yes, this ups the ante. Listen. This fight is exciting as as it can be. Um, for one, they're gonna fight like crazy when they get in there, but just uh, the way they feel about each other, like this is what a fight's about. You know, two guys that don't like each other. I mean, really don't like each other, and they get a chance to punch each other in the face. It it brings me satisfaction. It does, BC. <laughs> so I'm happy about this matchup. Death and violence. That's Rashad's game. Yes, yes, yes. Brando. Um, I guess our analysis, our preview, doesn't much change here. But who needs this win more in your eyes? Oh, Jeremy Stevens needs this win 100%. This this is like a Cub Swanson type fight for him where he's had a couple of losses now where he's just kind of expected better of himself and to not get those victories has hurt him. And he talked about it on Ariel's show, what was it, like two months ago where he, he had those like suicidal thoughts after he lost to um, – to I can't remember his name now off the top of my head. Are you but talking was, about when Jeremy Stevens lost to Justin Gagechi? Yes, that fight. Thank you. And he's he is like one of those guys who puts so much pressure on himself to succeed and to perform well that a loss here would just be absolutely devastating to his career. While Yair, I think, can bounce back no matter how this fight goes. So it is it is, it is piss or get off the pot though for Yair from the standpoint of like, are you that guy? Are you yeah, that guy? Are you a guy or are you that guy? This is yeah. the chance to be that guy. Obviously, the attention is doubled down on this fight from what happened in Mexico City. So let's see. And, dude, I would not want to be the guy who's uh, stirring it up with Jeremy Stevens in advance. Like, that guy is uh, of the mindset where it's you just leave him be. Like, I would yeah, hope to outpoint no. that guy, not make him mad enough to try to come in there and kill me. But, hey, look, Rashad, as you've learned in your life, Earthquake Survivor, former world champion, you fighters are of a different breed. You get down like this. Absolutely. You know, it's funny to see, you know, Yair Rodriguez, we're talking about who who needs it more, but... Just by judging from the way they acted after that last fight, you know, and, and, and how that whole thing went over and and how Yair reacted to me, it seemed like he, you know, he he felt more pressure that he wanted more. So I think he's going to be carrying that into the fight because I think he's still carrying, uh, I guess, feeling wrong from Mexico, you know, and and I think that he's going to fight with that that kind of feeling inside of him. But uh, Jeremy Stevens, you know, th those those haunting losses uh, would definitely keep you up at night, but it, but more importantly, it, it it stirs something inside of you that um, that makes it really hard for you to beat for anyone. And and I think that Yair was kind of stirring the pot a little bit by just giving Jeremy a little bit more fuel. And somebody who doesn't need fuel is a little heathen because that dude hits like a maniac. Yes, yes, that dude is uncoiled. He he bangs, and when he hits people, they don't wake up. Who the fuck is that guy? He's Jeremy Stevens. Thank you. Hey, the Greg Tardy Hardy tour continues against heavyweight Ben Sosoli on this night. Um, hey guys, give me a reason to care, and I'm not here to give you harsh takes on Greg Tar Hardy. His run up to this point, 
five and one is what it is. I don't have political takes. I don't have anything. But this level of matchmaking also is what it is. I'm ready. I'm ready for him to move up. When will he be ready to move up? I think it's very caring that they're giving him such a long time to to develop into that guy. And and it kind of shows me that, uh, you know, they, they really see a big upside in, in what Greg Hardy can bring. And, you know, honestly speaking, I see it, too. I see I see I see it, too, because I think that um, Greg Hardy, when he finally settles into his skill level, I think that he, he's going to be uh, a premier heavyweight in the weight class. But um, I also believe that too many of these fights can hurt him. And, and, and I think at some point when a fighter has reached the point of, of, of maturity, they have to go out there and get tested like you've seen Kron get tested and take it, you know, good or bad, whatever the case may be. But I think, you know, at, at some point uh, after this one, I think Greg Hardy is time to step up and, into the big dogs pool and start to see what he got with those big dogs. Indeed. Uh, Brandon, you are a big Ben Sosoli fan. How can he win this fight? Just kidding. Uh, this is that next step. Hey, this card, it's, yeah, what do you got? You got something for me. I just wanted to just make a joke because the guy he's fighting, his nickname, he's from Australia. You ready for this, BC? Yeah. He is the Combat Wombat. Oh wow! Does he drink <laughs> urine? Out? Does he drink urine out of a shoe? I love that. Uh, on the UFC's website, there's no face. It's a faceless man here. Uh, we got a few of those on this card as well. Hey, uh, Macy Barber's got a got a big opportunity here in a top tip fifteen bout against Jillian Robertson. Um, are you guys buying the the hype on her in terms of a future flyweight contender? Macy, yeah, I think so. I definitely think so. You know, she has. Uh, you know, she. Got a lot of skill, but more importantly, what I like about Macy is that she she's got a mindset and she's got that the the, the champion pedigree in her. You know, her dad's in the corner and everything like that. So I really like the upswing on Macy. You know, she's she's young, and you know, she's one of those. I, I think that she's going to be one of those athletes in a weight class where we watch her grow and watch her get better and better each year. And she's going to be a champion one day. I believe so. I like that, uh, Brandon. How excited are you about? Daniel Cormier, training partner, and former Golden Boy MMA star Duran Wynn in his middleweight bout against Darren Stewart. That's going to be an interesting fight. This is like a, a big step up in competition for Duran Wynn after his win, uh, what was it, a couple months ago, where it was a crazy fight of the night contender, fight of the yes. like couple rounds of the year contenders in there too. Um, yeah, this is a huge step up for him. Somebody that fought at heavy, was it heavyweight or light heavyweight? On that Golden Boy Promotions card, I don't know. Let's pretend. Let's pretend that light, never happened. Light heavyweight. When he's and he's he's just not a big dude to be fighting at light heavyweight as it is. So him fighting at middleweight now is interesting. But this is gonna be a big test. Darren Stewart is not an easy pushover. Hey Rashad, I did see a headline recently from Oscar De La Hoya saying Golden Boy MMA not dead, not dead. Not dead. Uh oh. You're a featured announcer in that company. Uh, you, you, got, you got any dates? I mean, what's going on here? They never got back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Did the check cash? You clear? Yeah, we're good. We're good. Okay. They clear. They pay you in uh, Bitcoin. What happened? Okay. Okay. We got. That's it. Hey. Uh. Hey. Court McGee back. So shout out to Brandon Wise who loves him some Todd Dove. You love old school MMA. Court McGee's back, right? Yeah, he is back. As is that maniac, Kyle Bachniak. That is true. That is true. He's got Sean Woodson at featherweight in his future. Hey, Boston Salmon is going to fight in Boston. You can't hate on that, right? 
A guy <laughs> named Boston from Hawaii fighting in Boston. Love what it can... indeed. Love this show. Love you, the listeners. Um, yeah, man. We just nailed it. We just brought the heat this week on the state of combat and MMA. Hey, Rashad, uh, you got any messages for your fans, for the people out there? You want to direct us to anything? Nah, no messages yet. You know, just keep on following me on that Sugar Rashad Evans. Uh, you know, follow. Uh, I'm gonna start posting. I'm gonna start to. I'm gonna make a vlog. I wanna. What I wanna do yeah. is I wanna make a log about um, getting back in shape at 40, and and uh, you know what I'm eating and no meat, and, brother. Uh, no meat. You know, having a no meat diet and training as hard as I gotta train is very difficult. And a lot of people ask, how do I do it? So I want to show people how I do it and uh, show how they can do it as well. Indeed. Hey, Brandon, um, no mention from you on the uh, rundown for this podcast to break down who won the Ali Abdelaziz Abe Kawa fight backstage. Oh, oh I forgot oh. about that. Well, you're just going to leave that out there. You're just going to pretend it didn't happen. I mean, what are you, what are you trying to do here? I'm going to more pretend it didn't happen, given that Ali is now got facing charges for that. Oh, gosh, man. I, I, listen, Ali, Ali's... Um, my manager. Oh, I and forgot about he, that. Yeah. I should ask yeah, you. He's my manager and he's a good friend of mine. But these are just, yeah, it, it's, it's just a bad, it's a bad situation, you know? Um, you know, th- these, these guys, they, uh, Ali felt provoked, you know, by, by Abe, by a lot of things he was saying on the internet and things like that. And, you know, and, and Ali is, Ali's a fighter. Ali's a fighter like, when we first started the train together, like we, he was my training partner, you know, so he used to be a fighter. So he still has a lot of that, that mindset in him. So, uh, it's, 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 it's a matter of, you know, when he feels called out on something, he don't, he don't pull no punches and he will go up to somebody in a second. So that's what happened. But at the end of the day, um, I just hope it works out, you know, Abe, Abe and, Ali, uh, I hope they're able to work it out and shake hands because at the end of the day, they're managers. They don't need to be out here yeah, yeah. fighting and scuffling like this, man. This is it's not good. How man. is Ali's functional BJJ game? <laughs> Ali, you know, Ali is Ali is good, man. Listen, Ali can fight. Ali can he can really he can really fight. Like when he goes, like when we train, like he he trains for real. Like you're not gonna be like, oh, okay, this guy, I'm gonna go easy on him. When you train with Ali, you better train or or he will he will catch you and he will hurt you. So uh he's a fighter, you know? But he just got he maybe he needs to take a, a fight. <laughs> he's <laughs> a great he heel. Take- he's a great villain in this sport. The guy like like <laughs> say, you know, be boomy, bring it on me. You know, I love that guy. Boomy! I'm getting money in championship belts. That's what I'm talking about, DC. Oh, Brandon, we didn't mention too, uh Aspen Ladd's uh attempt at uh Getting her TKO against Jermaine Durandamy turned around because of gender discrimination came up empty. Shout out to Herb Dean for actually going to a court date and fighting that. What the hell is going on here? See, I wanted to end the show with like fun talk about how Melvin Manhoof like came back oh, at a, yes. a crazy knockout for Bellator this weekend, and you went like in the complete opposite direction. <laughs> Anytime Melvin Manhoof is uh, is is out here taking souls at 43, I'm I'm watching. All right, I'm watching. So shout out to that, indeed. Uh, yeah, that's the show. That's the show this week. Okay, that is it. Uh, not everything worked on the show. Some things did. I can be fat. I cannot have a six pack. But my dick works. My dick works. It's never going to get old, Brandon. I'm sorry. Okay? It's not never going to stop hitting that button. I love it. 
Follow him at Sugar Rashad Evans, Brandon Y65. Shout out to Mikey Mormal producing it. It's your boy, BC. Hey, the Boxing Podcast back this week on the SOC, so hit that up this Thursday. Enjoy UFC Boston this week. Brandon, you got any messages for the people? Two words, maybe even on the way out. We out. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.